Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. So, when we were talking about today and what all we have entailed, um, there was a lot of elements that had to do with kids and youth and, and whatnot, and we decided why not put a real good focus on, on kids and youth. And so these three up here are a real good cross-section of our ministry when it comes to youth and kids. And they've served in our church faithfully for many, many years. So I won't do the introducing. I'll get you guys to introduce yourself and where you serve. Okay. Right on. I'm Curtis Bergman, and I've served in the youth group, Youth Momentum, for a few Says years. It on the shirt. Yeah. Yeah, go to Brittany. Uh, hi, I'm Brittany Matthews, and uh, I've been serving here for many years in the toddler and preschool ministries. Hi, I'm Tracy Jardine, and I um, serve primarily in the elementary uh, ministry. So, Trace, why did you decide to serve in kids' ministry? Um, I have been serving in children's ministry in some aspects since I was 14. Um, so, you know, to come here to FBC when we, shortly after we moved to Mastown, um, was kind of a no-brainer. That's where I love to be. I uh, especially love the elementary kids and the junior high age, though I love the little ones and the bigger ones too. Um, so one of the nice things about elementary is that I get to serve with not only the elementary kids, but all of our teen helpers too. So it lets me do have that good cross section. Mm-hmm. Same question, question Britt. Um, so why I'm serving, uh, I got started as a teenager as well as a helper in my aunt's Sunday school class. And um, I, I guess I liked it so much I went to school for it <laughs> and took my uh, early childhood. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoy working with the uh, the little ones when everything's just new and exciting and interesting, and they're just full of love and energy. Uh-huh. Why did I serve? So I guess when I think about um, you know myself growing up, I recognize that there are many you know people that influence me. Many people influence us, you know, and so. I appreciate all the people that had an impact on my life growing up, you know, and I want to try to have a positive impact on our young people as well. So I guess that's why I want to be involved in youth group. Um, Try to be a positive influence where I can. (laughs) Not only was he serving in youth group, but prior to that, he was in like six eights. He was serving in kids ministry. So Curtis has been not only, and and you guys too, you've all served in in different capacities, but um, that's just currently where they're serving. Like their hearts are definitely geared towards kids. And and I can attest because I've been a witness to it. So start back with you, Curtis. Um, what are the roadblocks to serving in this role that you had to overcome? Like what would have been something that you're saying that would be difficult? Um, you know, one thing is just like time. Um, when you work a full-time job and then Friday night rolls around and, and you're just tired, you know, and you're not always excited to go hang out with teenagers. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, 
That's However, a secret, Curtis. You're not supposed to say that. Yeah. Well, you know, you asked the question, so. Okay. Okay. And and you know, also just sometimes the 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 age gap, like, kind of recognize that I am now officially an old dude, you know, and and they're young, and um, sometimes you feel like you can't really relate, but. I also recognize that, you know, the basic needs that we have are, are all the same regardless of how old I am. You know, to people want to know that they're loved and that they have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I still want to show, show them that God loves them and that he has a purpose for their lives. So I think I can still do that. <laughs> do quite well. Um, some roadblocks, I guess, personally I face is just... Um, transitioning from helper to teacher because I don't feel I didn't feel like a teacher at the time and then moving into a leader role which I still don't feel equipped for um, but uh, you get over that and then I guess some of the other things just you know being a mom every time I had uh, another child you know you're tired it's hard to get back into the swing of ministry when you've been off for a while and like Curtis said just the general busyness sometimes it's it is hard to set aside that time for your commitments, but it really is, it is worth it. Yeah, yeah. over the years, there's different seasons of life. So um, some of the roadblocks tend to be uh, family seasons. Um, you know, it, when I first had kids move out of elementary, I was like, do I follow them up? Do I stay where I'm at? Um, so those kind of, questions. And then, of course, um, one of the biggest challenges in children's ministry is having enough teachers and leaders. So mm -hmm. that, is, um, that is definitely a roadblock um, because sometimes you start to think, you know, I'd love to have a little bit of a break or, um, but there's just not enough people to fill those holes. So it's really, really wonderful when I see somebody else take an interest and step up. Um, I know for some people, um, the scheduling tends to be a roadblock. Some people don't like to serve a full month on. Some people are happier with um, a more of a, a once a month or something. But, I mean, certainly we can accommodate mm. those kinds of things. Yeah, it tends to be one of those sticky issues. And I, and I recall back when, you know, I first started serving and I wasn't in this role that it was, you know, I didn't have kids and I, could, I had more free time, but once kids came along, it was definitely time did become an issue and, and feeling adequate became an issue or like any of those things. But I, I feel as time progressed, it was like God really equipped you. He really gave you the, the tools that you needed to serve. And I think part of that came out of your heart and desire to serve those who needed it, right? And, and God just makes a way. And I, I yeah. So Trace, what's frustrating about uh, the way in which people view kids and youth, serving kids and youth? I think sometimes people view it as babysitting so that the, um, the kids are not a distraction to um, parents absorbing uh, what's actually happening in here. Um, they may not realize that it is an actual ministry to kids, that we are teaching them the Bible, mm. that we are... Um, engaging them in uh, worship and we uh, kids are the church today a lot of people think kids are the church of tomorrow but kids are the church today and if we don't um, 
help our kids now, especially our kids under the age of 12, to understand and grasp the gospel and internalize it mm-hmm. and make it their own, um, then the likelihood of them accepting Jesus goes way down as they get older. So, um, so it's, it's probably the most important ministry in the church, if I do say so. Um, <laughs> you have the blue shirt to prove that, it. I think that the other people here on the panel today and most of the kids, people that are working in children's ministry mm. understand that. Mm. Um, another frustration I kind of see or hear is that people don't think they have anything to offer in the field of kids' ministry. You might think, oh, I'm not good with kids. Um, but kids vary so much from birth to teenage. Um, there must be some age group that you connect with. And even if it's not teaching on a Sunday morning, we have kids outreach events through the year that we are always looking to staff and, uh, and reach out to kids in our community. So we have fall festival coming up. <laughs> There's my plug for needing helpers with that. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody has something to offer, whether it's mentoring a kid. You don't have to officially serve in kids' ministry to do that. Mm. Okay. Um, I would say, just speaking for myself, like it's sometimes easy to be critical of things. You know, maybe, maybe I could be critical of the youth and how crazy teenagers are these days, not like they used to be, or I could be... <laughs> you know, critical of what is, what we're teaching them sometimes, you know, it's, well, they're not really getting taught a good lesson or something, but I think, you know, to turn around and, and step in and be involved is much better than being critical, because it's pretty easy to be critical of things, but, you know, it takes a little more to actually say, okay, I'll do it. And yeah, the, the, the critical nature and like the, the thinking that I don't have anything to offer or, you know, I'm not equipped. I, I think that's, that's probably one of my biggest frustrations when it comes to that is people, uh, yeah, that's good for you, but not for me. Um, or yeah, I have kids, but I don't want to be around kids. And, 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 and then there's others that are like, yeah, I just want my time. And, and then that just, again, we're back into the whole staffing issue and, and whatnot because it's like, I need my time. And yes, we all need our time, but if, if we're not building up the next leaders is essentially what's happening. When Tracy said they're the church of the day, they are. We're building up the leaders of tomorrow, Right? So if we don't take this opportunity to build up the leaders of tomorrow, then what's going to happen? So Curtis, what's uh, your favorite part about being a youth leader? Well, um, so in the last, during COVID, we we broke our youth group up into small groups. And so I was doing uh, senior high boys and we met down in the garage and uh, enjoyed some uh, burgers quite a few nights, you know. Maybe every, <laughs> every week, yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some good times there. I think the boys liked it too. You know, so. I made sure I visited that group a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, again, when I think about my own life and the, all the people that impacted me over the years, most of the ones that had the biggest impact were humble and honest and open. You know, and so it's kind of my goal to try to 
do that as well with these guys. And it's not easy because, you know, that means you have to, like, admit your own mistakes and where you're wrong and stuff. But sometimes it can lead to some good conversations. And so I think we've had a few deeper conversations beyond hamburgers. And uh, it's, been, it's been good. Your favorite part. Um, yeah, so my favorite part, like I said, working with toddlers, preschoolers, they're at such a fun age. Um, and I just love being down there and seeing their, their little joyous faces. But reality, uh, people don't remember their toddler teachers, so <laughs> I don't have a huge impact um, for making memories, per se. But what I love is connecting with the families, the parents, chatting with them. Sometimes they're new parents. These are their first toddlers, and they're letting me um, care for them for that hour. And uh, yeah, so that's my favorite part, making the connections with the families. Yeah, toddlers ministry is, is a ministry to toddlers, but especially to the family as a whole, um, giving them that first real important um, experience with the church and with mm -hmm. children's ministry. So it's a very important role. My favorite part, well, I love to have fun with kids, but um, and act really goofy sometimes, but, it's, <laughs> but my favorite part is gotta be when, um, when I ask the question, you know, for kids to explain the gospel, and they can. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite parts, when I know that they got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite part? I wasn't gonna ask, answer questions, but um, I was just gonna be the moderator here, but I, I feel that my favorite part is being a parent. And when my kid comes home, and they say they got it, or, how this leader helped them, how this leader gave them their time, how my boys have someone to look up to. Adeline has someone that she can connect with. That's my favorite part. When my boys say, thank you because Jack got to spend time with them. And they remember that. They remember the gospel. They can explain it for themselves. Because you guys are taking the time to instill that in them. You're giving them the, the due energy you need to give. It's not easy every day. It's not easy every week. But you're doing it. And that's my favorite part. It's being a parent to these kids. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, team. Um, typically, we'd be ending the service in about 16 minutes. So can you give me the next 16 minutes to dig into the Word of God? Kids these days. I... I read a psychology article last week. Anybody reading psychology these days? It, it was in the future category on bbc.com. It was written by Richard Fisher, and it was entitled Generational Amnesia, <laughs> The Memory Loss That Harms Our Planet. Or another title he identified in the article was The Kids These Days Effect. He quotes psychologists Kahn and Weiss, 
who says, since at least 624 BC, people have lamented the decline of the present generation of youth relative to earlier generations. You know what that sounds like? Back in my day, oh, back in my day, we worked hard for what we had. Kids these days, they just get everything handed to them. Back in my day, we took pride in our local community. And kids these days, they just can't wait to get out of the small town and head to city life. Back in my day, we were in church Sunday school, Sunday service, Sunday evening, Wednesday prayer. Kids these days, they show up a couple times a month. You been in a conversation like that recently? Con and Weiss, they write, uh, the problem is one of the most pressing psychological problems of our lifetime. It's hard enough to solve problems like deforestation, ocean acidification, the climate change, but at least most people recognize them as problems. Is this a problem that we don't recognize? Or do we point the finger? Generational amnesia. Fisher writes, humanity collectively forgets the world as it once was as the generations pass. But when it comes to ensuring that our best memories of the world are not forgotten, I would add our faith, our values, it seems at least some of that energy might be better spent passing forward experience, faith and values, rather than passing judgment. Curtis nailed it. Kids these days. This isn't just a modern issue. The Bible talks about it time and time again. Forgetting is important not to forget. It's important to remember. Do you remember the series that we preached last year called Remember? (laughs) Do you remember? Three weeks. Week one, memory matters. Week two, honoring those on the road before us. Week three, what happens if we forget? Do you remember? (laughs) I don't remember all of it, and I preached two of those weeks. How quickly we forget, right? Then there rose up a new pharaoh over Egypt who did not know Joseph or what he had done for the Egyptian people, how God had saved all these people through the famine and preserved the life, not only of Egypt, but of the Hebrew people, and he dealt harshly with the Hebrew people. The book of Judges, 12 times, the people are caught in oppression. They cry out to God. God responds in mercy, sends a judge. The people come out of their oppression through the godly leadership of the judge. They experience this time of prosperity, but They start to do whatever looks good in their own eyes, and they get themselves back into oppression, back into slavery. They cry out to God, God has mercy, sends another judge, another judge, another judge. Moses made a big deal about remembering throughout the book of Deuteronomy, and Alex quoted the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, and then jump to Deuteronomy chapter 11. The term Deuteronomy means second law. Do you ever need something repeated a second time because you didn't quite catch it all the first time? Or maybe you need a little refresher? Just weeks 
days before they're about to enter the promised land. Moses' life is coming to an end. He's not going to step foot into the land. He calls all of Israel to stop and listen because I'm going to go back through this thing before you enter the land, before you're so prone to forget and go back to your own ways, before we enter the land that God has promised us to possess. Let's go back through this because we need to remember what's important. We need to remember the faith and values and the God who brought us out of Egypt with signs and wonders. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Only take care, keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Some 15 times it says that through the book of Deuteronomy. Verse 10, how on that day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that, they, that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, that they may teach their children so. God knows people forget. Thank goodness for his grace and mercy in our lives, right? Do you know why I think he wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone? I think it was so that Moses didn't forget them on the hike down the mountain to give them to the people. You want to remember something, write it down. I get made fun of all the time for that. I pulled my phone out in front of friends the other night to write something down that I didn't want to forget, and it was all these old person comments. <laughs> if you want to remember something, write it down. If you want to value something, talk about it. What we communicate, we appreciate. If it's not worth anything to us, we're not going to talk about it. If it is worth something to us, we're going to talk about it. How many times have you heard the stories from the fishing trip that the guy went on, right? He loved it, so he's got to talk about it. If you appreciate it, if you value something, you're going to communicate it. You're going to talk about it. So why does God, why does Moses, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talk so many times about telling kids and kids' kids? And I want you to hear this part. I don't think this is just for parents. Moses is leading, under God's leadership, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people. And he's called all these Hebrew people together to give them this instruction. I don't think this is just for parents. I think it's for the whole nation. He didn't pull all the parents aside. He didn't say, now parents. No, he said to the whole nation, the whole group of God's chosen Old Testament, Old Covenant people, here's what you need to do for the kids and the grandkids. Now, why kids and grandkids? This is really important. Why make a big deal out of kids? Why not just do some generational trashing? That was another term in that psychology article. Just make fun of the next generation. All those bunch of weak, you know, what's, what's the next generation? Gen Z, you know, they never knew what life was like without a phone. They're never going to understand what it was like to have to work hard. They're never going to trashing generations. Instead of trashing generations, why is it important to instill faith and values into the next generation? Why does God put so much emphasis on kids? Why did Jesus tell the disciples, don't hinder the children, let them come to me? Jesus talked about the faith of a child. Unless you become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty strong language. Is it because kids are sincere? They're honest? They're not yet cynical and burned by the world. They don't know that they might not be able to trust a relationship because 
They haven't been burned by the world yet. And they're honest and they're sincere and they're open. They're impressionable, we say, right? We had this team rally last week, and part of today, this church rally, is to bring you all on board with what we talked about and presented at our team rally with our Journey Kids, our Momentum Youth, and other people who were interested last Sunday. And Tracy was up on the stage, Alex was up on the stage, and they were talking about this phenomenon. Tracy quoted Barna, Barna Research, and here's what it said, and she referenced this today, actually. More than half of people who will ever accept Jesus as their Savior ever, 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 more than half, do so before the age of 12. By age 13, a person has irrevocably formed the majority of their beliefs. By age 13. Don't let that scare you. Let it give us hope. Let, us, let it give us direction and drive and mission. Alex showed this one. George Barna said this. If you want to have a lasting influence on the world... You must invest in people's lives. And if you want to maximize that investment, then you must invest in those people while they are young. You ever try and teach an old dog new tricks? You ever try and help your grandparent learn how to navigate Zoom? <laughs> teach them while they're young. I think this is the heart of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, and I've struggled with this verse. I still struggle with this verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a lot of pain that a lot of people carry around. Thinking, I must not have fulfilled that mandate. But I think that's the heart of this verse. Is that when they're a kid is the time to instill faith and values. They're never going to forget those lessons. Whether their life reflects it or not, they ain't never going to forget the lessons that they learn from their leaders, from their parents, from the older couple in the church who took them under their wing. God knows what he's talking about when he says, you want to remember my laws? Teach them to your kids and to the kids' kids. Then I love how practical this gets. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, because a lot of this can feel like, oh my goodness, what are we supposed to do? It kind of feels like a lose-lose battle when you look at today's generations, doesn't it? What do we do about this? Deuteronomy chapter 11, look at verse 18. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. We went over this when we went through the book of Revelation, what was that, two Augusts ago? You remember that? And we talked about the Shema, the prayer of allegiance from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that Alex read today. Jewish religious leaders, religious Jews, even today you can see it, they wear a little box on a headband on their forehead when they pray. And they have this, this uh, leather strap that goes around a finger, around the wrist, up to their arm, and at the top of their arm, there's a little box. And it's because of this verse. And in those boxes, they place scriptures. And we made the application that if we're to value the word of God, if we're applying the word of God, it needs to affect the way we think, and it needs to affect the way that we act. And God 
through the inspiration of the Spirit, through Moses, is writing down practical implications of how we remember God's word and how we act on God's word. Look how practical this gets. Verse 19, you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. How practical is that? How often do you sit in your house? (laughs) Every day? Multiple times a day? How hard is it not to pick up that TV remote? How hard is it not to hide behind your cell phone screen? How hard is it not to take the meal from the kitchen, go to the bedroom, because i got a lot of work to do, so let's just leave daddy alone. Let's just leave mommy alone. Why not take those opportunities when we are sitting in our house to talk about the day, to talk about things of faith, to instill values in our children? Why would we want to miss those opportunities? When you're walking, by the way... (laughs) Why not talk about God's creation that you're seeing? Why rush it? Why just race to the next thing? When you're going to bed, what a great opportunity to go through the day with your spouse, with your child, with a friend, with a coworker. How was your day? Where did you see God working in your day? When you rise up, hey, instead of rushing off to the school bus, let's just take a minute. Let's pray. Let's dedicate this day to God. I, uh, we were driving home with the kids the other day, me and Reese and Jade, and I said, let's play a game. Apples and onions. Apples are the sweet things that happened today. Onions are the sour things. Because I had heard somebody else do it, and why not? They were just arguing and bickering in the backseat, so let's get some, something going here. And they remembered that. And the next day, when their mom picked them up, that's what they wanted to talk about, the apples and the onions of the day. Why, why not just take the time? Because we're so busy rushing, aren't we? I know what it's like. I know what it's like. you got to get your kid to school. you got to get your kid to the after-school program. you got to get some supper into them if you're going to call yourself a good parent. And then you got to get to the evening activity before it's time for bed. No, we're late for bed, so just get in there, turn the light off, go to sleep. We'll brush your teeth another night. It just kind of turns into a blur, doesn't it? And we forget to take the little opportunities when they're right there in front of us. Look at verse 20, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 20 and 21. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days, the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. God knows you're coming and going. Isn't there a psalm about that? He knows when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, when you sit to eat. He knows. He knows your inward parts. He knows you before he formed you in your mother's womb. He knows. He knows it all. He knows your schedule. He knows how busy you are. And look how practical it gets. Why not just write it on your doorpost so that in your coming and going, there's this little visual prompt to remind you of what's really important? Why not put it on the gate as you leave the driveway? Why not just put a little plaque right there as you leave the driveway to remind you of what's really important? Why not put it in the spot where you tend to look consistently through the day to remind you of what's really important? Isn't that our motto as a church, to share the journey 
in the going through the daily course of life as we live life together, we're, we're sharing faith and values? Isn't that the nature of the language in the Great Commission? Go into all the world and make disciples. We think, oh, that means I got to get up and I got to go, right? No, the language is actually in your going. As you're going about your day-to-day, as those opportunities arise, as you bump into that person at the supermarket, as your boss brings up that conversation again, make disciples in your going, in the daily tasks of life. This uh, psychology article that I referenced by Richard Fisher, he said what we're not asking the generations to do is to get up and do something extraordinary. We're just asking them to take the daily opportunities as they arrive to instill the memory of the, what the world is like, because that's what they wanted to instill, science, observation, into the next generation, just as the day unfolds. It doesn't have to be anything big or extraordinary. Just on the drive home today. So kids, what did you learn? Call a friend. Talk to them. So let's summarize. Instead of trashing the kids these days and talking about the good old days, which is so easy to do. Curtis, I, I, so, I so relate to that statement because, man, going to speak at a, at a Bible camp for a teen week, you just realize, oh, man, I have so little in common with teens these days. And it's so easy to play that conversation and complain and be critical. Why not, instead of expending energy in that direction, Why don't we take the little opportunities as they arise to talk about faith and values? And if you're not going to remember to do that, write it down in a prominent place so it gives you this visual prompt to be talking about the things that you value most. I want to leave you with those thoughts. Can we pray together, church family? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for an opportunity to set the focus on a Sunday of what you are doing in the hearts and lives of kids and youth, their leaders, parents, families in our church, our church family as a whole. God, I'm sure there are people here today who have maybe clicked that mute button in their mind because... You know, uh, maybe the kids have grown up and gone out. Maybe I'm at an older age. Maybe I don't have a family yet. Or maybe I'm in a, in a place in life where this really doesn't apply to me. God, would you help them to re-engage right now and understand that if we don't do something for this next up-and-coming generation, it really only takes one generation to forget you and what you've done for us, God. God, help us to be good stewards with the gospel and to pass that torch Help us to take the little moments in the day when we're busy, when we're working, when our focus is elsewhere, when we're in a rush. God, would you give us that visual prompt, impress it on our hearts, Father, to talk about who you are, what you've done for us, your son, Jesus Christ, and your glory as we see it through the gospel. God, help us to talk about the things that really matter, Father. What a scary thing it would be if we wake up one day and realize we missed it. We missed the opportunities. And that catch-up game is oh so difficult. God, help us to make decisions now. 
Let's get out the post-its and put it on our mirror. Let's change our cell phone background. Let's put a little note in the dash of the car. Let's put a little sign above the door. That this day belongs to the Lord. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We'll make the most of it for the sake of the gospel and the mission that we're on as a church to be disciples who make disciples as we're going. God, thank you for who you are to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.